Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. The Civil War ended on April 9th, 1865. And although the war ended, it did not bring peace to our country. Just five days later, President Lincoln was assassinated. And the wounds that were so deep and the scars that were so tender continued to plague our great nation. About a year later, in Waterloo, New York, local druggist Henry Wells wanted to begin a healing process, a reconciliation process that was so desperately needed in our country. He suggested that a day be set aside to honor those who lost their lives in the great conflict to be able to restore the relationship that had been lost during those years of war. Union General John Murray agreed. And May 5th was set aside for a great parade. Flags were flown at half-staff. Black draperies fronted the businesses of the town. And Dr. Samuel Gridley spoke. This continued the next year, and in 1868, two years later, the date was changed to May 30th to honor those who had lost their lives. That continued until March of 1966. And it was at that time that Nelson Rockefeller, then governor of New York, dedicated Waterloo, New York as a national site of memorial. Fast forward 100 years, and in 1966, LBJ, along with the United States House and Senate, officially recognized Memorial Day. Now, although we use the term Memorial Day, and it was used beginning in the 1880s, the holiday was officially known as Decoration Day. Later, it was changed by federal law. In 1968, the Uniform Holiday Act finally went into effect, moving Memorial Day from its traditional May 30th observance to set aside the last Monday in May to honor those who had paid the ultimate price. For those of us who know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we recognize the need to be restored, reconciled in our relationship with God. Sin has separated us from a holy God. Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. We understand that the ultimate price had to be paid. A sacrifice was necessary in order to resolve our sin problem and restore our status before God. Romans chapter 5 says that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're familiar with chapter 3 of John's gospel where it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day to give us hope and to give us life. As we think about Memorial Day, 
we must be reminded that you and I, who have a restored relationship with God, who have been reconciled to God, have a responsibility to present the gospel, the good news of hope and healing, the good news of love and mercy and grace. We need to honor our Lord as we bring his offer of love to a lost and dying world. In our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 11, we are reminded of the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to ask that the Blocker family read this passage of Scripture for us. You follow along in your copy of God's Word. Good morning, everybody from the Blocker household. This morning we are reading 2 Corinthians 5, through 21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also in, to your consciousness. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that way you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in, in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died, died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, David. Thank you, Geneva. Thank you, family. If you were reading along, you noticed that five times in the text, the word reconciled, reconciling, or reconciliation is, is used. We are reminded that that is how, what God did to restore our relationship. Romans chapter 5 says, For if while we were sinners we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. In our text, in verse 21, we read, For our sake he made him, that's Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that 
God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 tells us that we are entrusted the message of reconciliation. So what does that mean for us and for our lives? This morning I want to share with you five therefores. Therefores that remind us of our responsibility to offer help and hope because of what Christ has done in our lives. Now, every time there's a therefore, we need to find out what it's there for. The first one is found in verse 11. There the text reads, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Therefore, we persuade others. We influence them. We compel them. We encourage them. We win by our argument the fact that Christ died for our sins because of God's love for the whole world. Not only do we persuade, but verse 20 tells us that we are to implore. King James, pray. Beg, earnestly desire, have an emotional appeal. Now, why is that necessary in our lives? Two reasons, and we must back up to verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There we read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. The first reason is that one day we will have to stand before God and give an account. And Paul reminds his, his readers that that is going to be a difficult day in their lives. The Corinthian believers would have understand would have understood Paul's reference to the judgment or Bema seat. For that was where athletes were given their rewards. And Paul tells us that we all will stand before the reward seat, the judgment seat, the Bema seat of Christ, where everything that we've done will be judged. Now, if you know your eschatology, you recognize that we are living in the church age, the age of grace for by grace we have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and the event that will close out this time period of God's will be the rapture of the church where first Thessalonians tells us we will meet the Lord in the air so shall we ever be with our Lord now following that great event there are two more events that will take place with the believers the first is the judgment seat of Christ. The second is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes, following the rapture, when we are caught up to meet the Lord in air, so shall we be with the Lord. And a comfort that is to our lives. We must understand that we will then be accountable, held accountable. Jesus gives us a parable in Matthew chapter 25. You are familiar with the parable. It's the parable of the talents. 
the master was going on a long journey and he left with his servants five talents, another two talents, and another one talent. Now that bequest was not something of small stature. It was perhaps as much as five years worth of wages to the first servant. When he returned, an account was necessary. And you know the text. The one with five talents had produced five talents. The one with two talents had produced two talents. The one with one talent, knowing that his master was a hard man, reaping where he didn't sow, gathering where no seed was was sown, was afraid, and buried his talents. And that was all he had to offer to his master. The master at that judgment said to that last servant, you wicked and lazy servant. Oh, I trust that when we stand before the Bema seat of Christ, when we have to give an account of our lives before a holy God, that we will understand the accountability that we have now so that we can receive what the first two servants received, a well done, now good and faithful servant. But not only is there accountability, there is also affection. Look with me at verse 14, will you please? Paul writes, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Let that sink into your heart, will you please? The love of Christ controls us. King James constrains us, gives us a compass, directs our lives, preoccupies our thinking. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace we've been, received, we've been saved. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. John writes in 1 John, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. And he tells us, beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. And we love him because he first loved us. Our responsibility, therefore, because of our accountability to God, because of the love, the affection that we have received from God, is to persuade men. There is a second, therefore, and it is found in verse 14 at the end. It says, therefore, all have died. Not only do we have this ministry of reconciliation to persuade men but we have the ministry of reconciliation because of the power of the gospel Paul writes earlier in that verse we conclude this that one has died for all why because all have died the writer of Hebrews tells us that every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices that can never take away sin but when Christ offered a single sacrifice once and for all, he sat down at the right hand of God. The power of the gospel is that we no longer live into ourselves, 
but we recognize that we are living under the control of God's love. And not only are we to love one another, but we are to show that love to a lost and dying world. Paul writes this in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives with me, within me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. And that mind is defined as doing nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, counting others more significant than ourselves. And then Paul writes in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Philippians, let each of you look not only on your own interests, but also on the interests of others. Why? Because that is the mind of Christ. The power of the gospel changes everything. The reality that Christ died for all because all were dead. And verse 15 says, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. When someone gives their life for you, it makes all the difference in your life. Today is Memorial Day. We honor those who have given their lives so that we might have the freedoms that we enjoy. In this culture, we honor those first responders who literally every day are putting their lives on the line to minister to us and take care of us. The power of the gospel is that we have experienced God's love and we can live out that love in a lost and dying the third, therefore, is found in verse 16. We read, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now, what does that mean? It means that the person of the resurrected Christ lives in our lives. As a member of the Sanhedrin, it is very likely that Paul heard Jesus speak in Jerusalem. Certainly he had heard about Jesus. And Paul, as a follower of the law, was determined to put an end to the followers of the way. Suddenly, he was confronted by the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. You can read that account in Acts chapter 9. And from that point on, Paul no longer knew Jesus after the flesh. He saw him in a completely different light. As a result, Paul saw all men in a completely different light. He didn't see them just in their earthly bodies. But he saw them as what they could become in Christ. What is it that changes our lives? The risen Christ. What is it that convicts our attitudes? the risen Christ. What is it that challenges our hearts? The risen Christ. What is it that communicates God's love? The risen Christ. 
What is it that compels us to persuade others the risen Christ? And what is it that confirms the gospel in our lives? The risen Christ. Therefore, the person of Jesus Christ. And what effect does that have? Verse 17, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, since we are new creatures in Christ, the old has passed away, the new has come. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells the believers at Ephesus, do not walk like the Gentiles. Why? Because the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. And that's not how you learn to walk in Christ. And then he says, put off the old man which is corrupt. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of right life. Because it's written, be ye holy because I am holy, a reflection of who God is. And that tells us the old is passing away. It's progressive sanctification in our lives. And the new has come. And that is how we declare the ministry of reconciliation. The last, therefore, is found in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ yes therefore we are presenters of the gospel ambassadors representatives one who speak on behalf of why because God makes his appeal through us and we are the message givers to a lost and dying world when I was young, my parents taught me to answer the phone this way. Townsend's residence, Tom speaking. That was because we wanted those who called us to understand that it was where the Townsends live. Connie Carey answers the phone. Calvary Baptist Church, Connie speaking. Representing the family of this local assembly of Believers, you see the reality is I am an ambassador on behalf of Jesus Christ, which means I ought to speak like Jesus. I ought to serve like Jesus. I ought to seek out the lost like Jesus. I ought to sense the will of my Father just like Jesus did. I ought to sacrifice my will and my life just like Jesus did, because I am representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Paul writes at the end of verse 20, 
we implore you, King James, pray. We beg you. We earnestly desire of you. We have an emotional appeal to you. Be reconciled to God. Be brought back into a proper relationship with God. Why? Because for our sin, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. For our benefit, Christ took upon himself the sin of all mankind, becoming separated from his heavenly Father and paying the penalty, the sacrifice that you and I could not pay in order that we might have a proper relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. On this Memorial Day Sunday, a day that commemorates those who gave their life so that we might have the freedoms we enjoy, a day that reminds us never to forget the sacrifice that was, that was paid. A day that reminds us of the reconciliation that took place in our nation over 150 years ago. A day that should challenge you, should challenge me. Because we have experienced God's love. Because we understand we are accountable to God. That we should persuade men to come to Christ. We should live out the power of the gospel because one died for all and all were dead. And yet in Christ we have life. We need to know that the person of the risen Christ changes everything. And old things are passed away. Because we are become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that tells us that we are presenters of the gospel.